Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Wild View on Blueberries. I'm your host, Hugh Lu, Wild Blueberry Specialist at Frenia. Most of the Wild Blueberry fields were picked in Nova Scotia by this time, except for some very late fields. I don't have the final numbers about the yield for the industry yet, but it is expecting a good crop this year in Nova Scotia, according to personal communication and observations in the regions. While blueberries from Nova Scotia are often sold for further large-scale commercial processing for commodity pricing, which has been an unprofit model in recent years. In this episode, I want to bring you some information about retail market for wild blueberries, and I hope the discussion with Peter Chapman will inspire you and help you to develop your business and increase your profit if you are interested in this business model. Peter Chapman is a retail marketer from Skillful, and Skillful is a community of suppliers and others in the food industry who wants to be more successful. Peter also has other roles such as author, speaker, and consultant. During the interview, I'm sure Peter has a lot to tell you about Skillful himself and retail market information. Hello, Peter. Thank you for joining us today. How's your day going? Oh, it's good, Hugh. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Um, the first question I have for you is very simple and easy. Can you please give a quick introduction about yourself and tell us a little bit about Skillful? Sure. Yeah. No. So my background, my my work has always been in the food industry. I started working at a grocery store in high school, never thinking that that was going to be my career, but that's the way it ended up. Uh, so yeah, I started in a store. I worked with Loblaw companies for uh, about 20 years after going to school. And then I left Loblaw companies about 13 years ago to start my own business where I work uh, directly with producers and processors. And, uh, and that's what Skew Food is all about. And uh, sometimes I have to give people a slight explanation about Skew Food. So SKU is a stock keeping unit. And uh, for anybody in the food industry, that's an important term to know. So, so that's why we call it skew food. And in the average store, you'd find about 35,000 skews. And uh, it's an important thing for people to know. And, and that's really my background. Skew food is designed to be a, a community for food producers and processors. And we really try to work with people to help them develop relationships with customers and consumers. And... For me, the, the short description is to tell you that I really want to help you get your product on the shelf and then into the shopping cart. And that's what we do. Well, thank you so much, Peter. And uh, this is such a wonderful name to know. And I'm also happy to hear that there's a, such a nice community for suppliers where everybody can learn from each other. Uh, my first question I have for you is, since we are talking about blueberries, do you think uh, wild blueberries producers can benefit by increasing the value of their harvest crop through retail markets? Well, that's, it's an interesting question because we see so many products at retail. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, my perception is that the wild blueberry has really almost become more of a commodity. And we're not really helping consumers and customers understand and, and see the benefits and the broad uses that we can do with wild blueberries. And, you know, in, in the average store, we would have 30,000 consumers going through it a week in, here in Atlantic Canada. And, you know, that's such a great opportunity to, to capture these people. 
And I know that there are so many challenges of producing and harvesting wild blueberries, but there are also some challenges to selling them really well, which means trying to get them differentiated and, and, uh, and bring more education so people when they're shopping in a store or now even online uh, that they can see, oh, wow, you know, there's, there's something, you know, we have to inspire them on what they can do with wild blueberries and, and be a little different as opposed to maybe just kind of a commodity. How can the retail market bring more profits to growers' pockets? Well, I think that we, we first have to start with the consumer. And I know as producers, we are focused on our own business and we're saying, okay, how can I generate more return? And, and I understand that that's an important consideration. But what I would do is try and drag the industry, uh, producers and processors to the end first. And so I think we need to talk about consumers first and say, how do consumers want to get wild blueberries? And not what can we do with them, but how do consumers want them? And how are consumers going to use them? And how are consumers going to attach more value to them? And, and keep in mind that in that retail environment, in the average produce department, if we're talking fresh, you probably have 350 different SKUs. And, you know, they all kind of compete. So you have to be able to get the consumer to say, hey, I want wild blueberries instead of strawberries or cherries or mm -hmm. peaches or something else. And, you know, every product has their own attributes, their own uses and that kind of thing. And I think we, we have to help consumers of 2021 and beyond sort of get their head around how do we use wild blueberries what can we do with them and and how do they want to use them in today's environment and mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we get perhaps a little stuck in some of the more traditional uses and are there things that we should be focused on in today's market so i really would encourage people to think how do consumers want them and then let's design an industry to deliver that as opposed to what can we do and then try and get them to buy it. Yeah. So speaking of consumers in the marketing world, the consumers are the end goal and the target. So in order to reach them, the products are the way to communicate with them. So the common viable way products in the market uh, as my knowledge is including fresh fruits, frozen fruits, and the value-added products. So since there are many uh, other sectors, fruit, uh, exists in the market. What do you think, it, what kind of uh, product forms are the best in the market? Well, I think it's a great way to look at things because sometimes we do get tunnel vision when we're only thinking of our own product mm -hmm. and it's good to, to look at some different things. So things that come to mind for me are if we, you know, think of, try to stick with fruit, but um, so one is grapefruit. So if you look at grapefruits in the grocery store, you can buy conventional grapefruits mm -hmm. and you can buy them either by the, the each or perhaps sometimes you get a three pound bag and there's a value associated to that with the consumer. Now, the, when a consumer buys that, they've got to peel that grapefruit. A lot of people either eat it in a sections or they'll cut it in half and eat it out that way. So there's some work for them to do. We can also find organic grapefruit. So that's a way to differentiate. Now, I appreciate wild blueberries that that's not something that we are going to talk, you know, that's, that's an option, but it's, it's another, it's something to differentiate and that's something to think about. Another example in the grapefruit, though, if you go more to the value added side is you can find the sections. 
So a company like Del Monte or Dole, and I appreciate these are big multinational companies, but they've taken a product which I think a lot of us might steer away from because we go, you know, I'm, I'm not big on peeling that grapefruit or, uh, I, you know, cutting it in half and that kind of thing. So they've taken the work out for you and you just have to peel the top off and you can eat the sections right out of a cup. And so if you look at the price that they sort of can generate, is there's a pretty good premium for those sections. And, and then we also can find grapefruit juice in several different places. It can be shelf stable, it can be refrigerated with different values associated to it. But for me, the, the sections is the interesting one because we've, we've said to the consumer, how do you wanna eat grapefruit? Well, I want the section. <laughs> a lot of them, you know, today's consumer, maybe not yesterday's, but today's consumer is saying, I don't want to peel that thing, you know, just give me the, the good stuff. And so they've figured out a way to do that and deliver that to the consumer. And obviously they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And, and one point I would make about the grapefruit is too, is that they've kept the sections as a refrigerated item, which gives it still some cachet of being fresh and quality. They probably could have made that shelf stable because we see lots of canned or, or, you know, fruit in a cup kind of thing that you find in the grocery aisle. But when you do that, it diminishes the, the quality a little bit and in the mind of the consumer. And so I think by keeping it refrigerated, they've kept it as a fresh item and more sort of perceived to be produce as opposed to canned. So lots of things to consider, but uh, I think it's, it has to start with the consumer and what do they want to do with them. So consumers want to eat a delicious food, but also want to save time of washing or, you know, uh, getting it ready. That's it right. sounds like wild blueberries are one of the great examples that you don't need to do much work because it's there and you can just consume it whichever easiest way they can. So next, let's focus on the fresh fruit uh, sales in the market. I want to know a little bit, how can you make fresh fruit sale uh, successful in the market? What is the best package, packaging form you would suggest for fresh wild breweries? Well, thanks for starting with an easy one, Hugh. Okay. Uh, packaging is, uh, is a very big challenge, I think, for, for wild blueberry industry. And, uh, you know, there are so many options and there are a lot of considerations uh, in terms of packaging. So to me, when we are going down the route of packaging, I think we, we need to consider you know, the consumer and the use, which we already mentioned a little bit. Uh, we need to consider sustainability. You know, consumers and retailers are very focused on that right now. They're, you know, they're really trying to find uh, alternatives to uh, products that don't, you know, that are not good for the environment. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that coming on the market. Uh, I think shelf life is a huge consideration in wild blueberries because we know that the product breaks down quickly and that the retail environment is not <laughs> friendly sometimes to that, especially as it goes through temperature change um, with the distribution network and then the retail store environment. So uh, shelf life is a, big, is a big one and how can we try to maximize the life that we get out of these fragile products? Also, how do we maintain the flavor? You know, are there things that we can do uh, to ensure that the consumer gets that eating experience that we know how good a wild blueberry tastes when it's harvested and it has a bit of bloom on it and, and you can really you know see that when you eat it fresh 
it's very different eating experience than even after a few days, especially if it's not optimal conditions. So, so I think the packaging, and then the final thing that the packaging needs to deliver, well, there's two more things I would suggest. One is we need to be able to, to interact with the consumer with that packaging and get their attention, help them understand what to do with the product, what the benefits of the product are and that kind of thing. So we have to think of it like a bit of a billboard. And then the other thing is functionality within the store. You know, that it's got to scan properly at the front end and uh, can't spill all over the floor and, and some of those kind of things too. So, so all those things, I think we need to consider. Uh, I wish I had the uh, magic solution, but I think that as we try to look for opportunities for the industry, those are the, those are the different things that I would be thinking about as I was trying to develop the packaging. Well, thank you for those great suggestions. And I'm sure people who are interested in bringing their fresh harvest berries into the market, those are important factors to, to consider. So, oh, I have one more consideration on packaging, Hugh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think we really need to consider the size. Uh, you know, for me, a lot of the wild blueberries we see in, especially in the fresh, um, are in the, the larger box. And from my perspective, that's not, you know, it, there could be better options, I guess, mm -hmm. in terms of how we bring those to the market. And I'm not sure that that protects the fruit very well. I think that it's, it's hurts the fruit on the bottom because they get damaged because of the weight on them. And I think, again, we have to think about consumers. Do they really need that many blueberries? And, and it's an interesting dilemma because retailers are trying to convince people sometimes to buy a little more because they want to get more out of the consumer in terms mm -hmm. of revenue. But I think from, for me, maybe that box is just too big for today's consumer. And yeah. perhaps we need to look at a, a smaller option that, that might be a little bit more conducive to eating the blueberries kind of fresh as opposed to mm. making a pie or taking them home and freezing them. Well, thank you. I, I was actually going to ask the size question after you mm -hmm. finish all those uh, important factors. So if you need to make a suggestion for for someone who wants to sell berries fresh in, in, in the markets, what is the best and most popular size most consumer would buy from other fruits, like say strawberries or high bush blueberries? What are the best size of the package? Yeah. And, and that's one thing I would always encourage when people want to sell in retail, and it doesn't matter what category we're talking about, always we need to spend some time in the store and we need to look at the category. We need to look at what consumers are buying today. Uh, so if we're talking wild blueberries, uh, fresh, I think we need to go to that fresh berry section. And we see uh, strawberries being the number one item, probably more than 50% of the category. And strawberries, you know, in the, the U.S. market, we see the one-pound plastic clamshell, mm -hmm. uh, which there's a fair amount of pressure, I think, from, from consumers and retailers to say, what is the alternative to that plastic clamshell? Mm -hmm. But in today's world, that's what we see, the one-pound product. And then when we have our local strawberries in season, we see either the wooden quart, which has been the traditional package. But this year in the market, we did see some new uh, packaging, whether it was uh, cardboard options, uh, some producers in Atlantic Canada are using the clamshells, so people are looking for different options. Mm -hmm. uh, then when we continue through the category, probably 25% of the category is blueberries, which we see more cultivated or high bush blueberries uh, sold either in 
pints, plastic clamshells, and then sometimes we see them shift to a six ounce or a half pint as the price goes up. And that's really what that's all about is as the price goes up, they shift to the smaller size so that the retail price is not too high and people go, oh, I'm not going to pay $8, but they, they're willing to pay four for, for a half pint. So we see that. And then the rest of the category, blackberries and raspberries, is, you know, it's, it's kind of split. Raspberries maybe a little bit more. Uh, and usually we see a, a half pint size for those two products just because the price point to keep mm -hmm. the price point yeah. more in line. So, so I think that's really more the size. We are seeing a two pound size though, which is something I think we need to think about that um, in blueberries, especially North American producers, we're seeing a two pound blueberry and we see a two pound strawberry as well. Uh, so if consumers are willing to purchase up to two pounds in that sort of traditional retail environment, perhaps a two pound or maybe a one and a half pound wild blueberry, because you don't always just want to do what the other item is. Sometimes it's good to be a little bit different, which gives you a little more flexibility on pricing too, because yep. then you're not compared directly. Mm -hmm. So, so I would suggest we need to look somewhere between a pint and two pounds and, okay. and find the right combination of size for the consumer and, and then what the retail ends up being. And that's an important consideration is, is what the price point will end up yeah. being. Yeah. Well, as a consumer myself, I think there's also another factor to consider here is you need to understand your market and your market location, your consumers, their household size, household right. size too. I think it's a, it's a very, very important consideration uh, for people who want to sell into the, especially the fresh market is, is really to, to, to have a great definition of who your target market is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that keeps changing all the time, but it's very important to know who your product is, is going to. And, and sometimes a, a strategy with two sizes can be effective as well. We see, you know, blueberries, for example, you'll see pints and two pound or strawberries. Sometimes you'll see one pound and two pound. So, and raspberries, even we see from Driscoll sometimes where there's a, a bigger pack as well. So, you know, I think that then you can broaden that that consumer reach because for a household like yours you want to buy the smaller package and then somebody else who might have a family or, or a bigger household they might want to say well i'm i'm more interested in the value because i can get a little bit lower price per pound on a bigger package yeah after talking about the, the size of a package i'm sure there's are some best at the ultimate location in the store that people want to put their product in that location is there a best location you think would be the best for the fresh wild blueberries to press on and attract more consumers to, to, to that location? Mm -hmm. Well, you can fight with the other 35,000 SKUs in the store for the very front uh, location, you know, get people on their way in kind of thing. You know, I think that one of the great things when we're talking about fresh is that most retailers uh, in in our marketplace, put produce first in the shop because they want to, they believe they can differentiate their offering with produce. And produce is a very impulse purchase for people. Uh, if you look at people's sort of grocery list, a lot of people have fruits and vegetables on it. And they get there and they say, you know, they, they're going to look and see what things look like and what the, you know, the value is to them and, and what are they going to buy. So mm -hmm. uh, produce is a very impulsive purchase. And so I would suggest that 
wild blueberries probably their home needs to be in the berry category mm -hmm. which in most stores now we see refrigerated sections where the berries are kept that's sort of their their permanent home and then there there can be what we call off-shelf merchandising which is sort of that second display which is where we get more of the impulse buying but it's important to remember that probably 80% of the sales come from the home, you know, that, that regular spot because consumers, we train consumers to go to this place for berries, mm -hmm. that place for bananas or whatever the other items are. So that is very important that it's merchandised well and in good shape. So I think that, you know, th there are sometimes cross merchandising opportunities and that kind of thing, but with a fragile product like wild blueberries, I think we really have to, determine if refrigeration is integral to our success in delivering a quality product and a quality experience to the consumer, then we have to say to our customers, the retailers, please do not put us out of refrigeration because we know we see strawberries sometimes, you know, and they're at the front door and oh, they look beautiful and everything. But if you've really compromised the integrity of the product and the consumer is gonna get home and it, it should last three or four days and it only lasts one day, then we've done ourselves a disservice. So, yes. so I think we really have to do our best to help understand the, you know, give people the right parameters to merchandise it for the best for the product too. Here, I also like to make a suggestion to people who are working in the production of wild blueberries. Nowadays, you pretty much can buy blueberries in the store anytime you like, because mm -hmm. the berries coming from everywhere in the world. But I feel the local people, they tend not to understand the local berries, wild blueberries are produced in July and August, they harvest in this time of year. So I think marketing has to do something to promote that this is a wild blueberry harvesting season in the province. Let's support or let's buy local uh, wild blueberries time of a year to support the, the berries. And I know many people tend to understand that we harvest wild brewers in Nova Scotia or in Atlantic province around this time of year. Yeah, I think it's definitely we can do work to create anticipation before they come mm -hmm. and, uh, and then be very aggressive during the season to, to make sure that people understand that this is something special. With many things that are special, it, it's not available all the time. And so if you don't get it in the next five weeks, you're not going to get it yeah. and, and try to help people understand that. Um, and then I also think, Hugh, I would say from the producer side is we have to be looking at things that we can improve our uh, communication with retail and, and also dependability. And I know Mother Nature dictates a lot of this and, and I, I respect that part of it. But when you're running a store with 35,000 SKUs, you need to know what's coming and going when. And so if you're good, because a lot of the planning and, and the work happens far in advance and the ins and outs of products happen. So we have to plan for it and we need to be able to say, you know, we're gonna start on August 10th. And, and that may be August 12th or August 7th or whatever. And that's where communication is important, but we need to be able to plan and we need to be able to work together to have a smooth transition and maximize the opportunity for both on fresh because it's such a short window, it's such a valuable window, but I agree we need to create anticipation 
And then we need to do a great job executing in that really short window. And it's tough. I mean, I get it. There, there's a lot of moving parts to graze harvested and processed and all the rest of it. So, so that's definitely one of the areas I think uh, we could do to help with the fresh berries sale mm -hmm. um, in, in the markets. So consumers don't just care about the product. They also care about price. Mm -hmm. So what would be your price suggestion for mm -hmm. fresh wild blueberries? Yes, price is always part of the equation. And uh, what I like to do, I, again, I'm a lot of times when, you know, my experience working with producers and processors is they want to start kind of with their operation and what it costs and, and all those kind of things, which are, I, I understand, integral to their business. But again, what I'm going to do is kind of drag you to the other end. And I'm going to say, let's look at the store. Let's look at what the products in the category you're selling for and then we'll work backwards. So if we were to look at the berry category and see that, and let's just use a pint of highbush blueberries and we'll say that that's retailing for $4.99. So from a consumer perspective, the first decision we have to make is, do they, you know, are, would they be willing to pay more per volume for wild blueberries or not? And, and we have to, understand the value within you know from what what consumers what our target market that we've defined is willing to to pay so if they're willing to pay a premium for wild blueberries because it's a special season and it's short and we understand the health benefits relative to other items in the berry category and we're going to give you some great uses for them and all that so let's just use the example and we'll say that we're going to Target $5.99 is the price point for that pint of wild blueberries. Mm -hmm. So then what we have to do is understand if we're selling them at $5.99 in the store, the retailer is going to take a 40% gross margin on that. That's just oh. the reality of it. And we can complain about that if we want, but it, there's a lot of expenses to running a store and, and that's really what the shelf margin is in the produce department. So, so if we back that up, that means that we are now going to be able to sell that product to the retailer for $3.60 a pint. So we always talk on the retail side, delivered price. So either it's delivered to each store, if we're going to have a direct store delivery, which we call DSD model, or it's going to go into the warehouse on a pallet with a bunch of products or with, with a bunch of other wild blueberries, and then the retailer will do the distribution for you. But regardless, you need to get it to them for $3.60 a pint. And then that's where I would start to work with the, the producer and say, okay, is it feasible for you to grow it, harvest it, process it, pack it, and deliver it, and probably want to have a little bit of profit left at the end of the day for $3.60 a pint. And that's how you figure out the math. And you know, you can look at the category, figure out what size is right and what the right retail is, and then you just work it backwards like that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Well, great. There's a factor that kind of scare people to go into fresh fruit sale in for wild blueberries. Is there's so many fresh fruit in the market already: strawberries and uh, other high bush cultivated blueberries, and then cherries, etc. So to encourage wild blueberry growers and producers to get into this market, how can the growers make wild blueberries competitive? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think we really need to focus on, on how they're different from some of the other fruits out there. I mean, one of the beautiful things about wild blueberries is they really are ready to eat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, once you wash them. So, and, and is washing an option? And that's something that, you know, I would ask the question. Doesn't mean it has to be, but if you could say to people, you know, we've done that step for you, that might be enticing to people. It might not be feasible, I understand, but um, that's a that's a challenge that I would throw out to the sort of more the food science side and say, can we make them ready to eat? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And so it's it's about that differentiation, and and I would really encourage people to try to to stay away from the commodity. And you know, I think that becomes when when you're a commodity if your quality is the same, it's just about price then. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because the, I think there are more opportunities than that. Uh, I think we need to talk about the use side of it. So what's the right number of wild blueberries to put into say, say a smoothie, if that's what our target market, one of the uses that they're gonna have. And obviously there's frozen as an option, but lots of people like fresh too. And so what's the right amount? So if you give them a container, instead of calling it uh, a pint, we, I mean, we have to declare a size, but perhaps you tell them it's three or four smoothies worth or something like that and try to get them thinking about uses as opposed to just size and price. Great. So those are all very important and critical things to consider for fresh fruits uh, while we sale in the market. So next is just touch on the frozen berry side. So I like to ask the same question about frozen berries. So what kind of packaging format would you recommend to make frozen wild blueberries competitive? And what, how much is a good price range right. for frozen berries? Yeah, so, so again, I, I would give you all the same factors that we discussed in the fresh that are considerations. One of the things about the frozen, which is a challenge is that we see frozen fruit is line priced. The stand-up pouch is a great package. It's, it's convenient. It gives you a nice front-facing uh, piece of real estate to, to talk to the consumer in the store. But unfortunately, it's kind of taken now. You know, the, the, the large frozen fruit companies and a lot of private label or control label, so the retailer's brand uh, we see in that category. But they've line priced them all. So you can buy frozen pineapple, 600 gram, and you can buy frozen blueberries, 600 gram, and it's the same price. Should it be? I'm not so sure about that. You know, but I, so because of that, I think we've lost some of the cachet of wild blueberries. We've now sort of put it with frozen fruit. Mm -hmm. And yes, from a consumer, uh, perspective it's easy because you can mix and match and they put the bags on sale you know two for this or whatever and you go oh good I'll take wild blueberries and I'll take uh, cherries or I'll whatever it is and it's it's convenient um, but I think we've lost some of the differentiation so I would encourage people to maybe try and see if is there is there something different that we could put them in to get us back to differentiating again mm -hmm. and and try to maybe split wild blueberries out a little bit from that sea of frozen fruit and get some something back that we can talk about and, and try to help people understand that there are more uses than just putting it in a smoothie like 
all of that other frozen fruit. And, and so perhaps there are some uh, different packages that we could use uh, to help people get there. So I'm not sure I have the solution, uh, but if it was me working on that, I, I would really be trying to say, what other things are we seeing in frozen food where, and sustainability is a big one. Those stand-up pouches are not the best thing from an environmental perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is there enough, the next evolution in frozen that we could look and say, oh, wow, you know, this will, will help us stand out. Yeah. Yeah. So those are totally a uh, good advice for any new opportunities for frozen berries, because we see those different kinds of frozen berries sitting in the same shelf and they are charging the same price and uh, people have different preference. So I definitely think that is a very good point for people to consider or to change if they are going into that frozen uh, berries sale in the markets. Yeah, perfect. So those are very good discussion about, I think I just want to focus on the fresh and frozen today because um, I feel you have more of those experiments and uh, we will touch base on the value-added products in the future because um, that's another diff totally different category <laughs> to talk about. It is. Yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. So, and also to help people to who wants to get into the retail market, I have another budgeting question to ask you. So how do you make a budget to start the retail market? Well, it's... Uh... It's definitely, there are a lot of different components to it, but uh, what I would suggest is, is starting at that pr retail price point end and saying what, and, and this doesn't matter whether we're talking fresh or frozen or a value added product. What is the price in the marketplace that the consumer is willing to pay? And then you subtract the margin that the retailer will need to make. So in fresh produce, that was 40, 45%. Uh, in frozen, it's probably closer to 30% would be the, the gross margin that the retailer would, would want to uh, achieve. So, so you, you subtract that, that gets you to that delivered price. And then we start to see differences depending on the category that you're going to be in. So in fresh food, like fresh produce, it's really more about that becomes your delivered price. But in if you're going to want to be in the grocery department in frozen food, for example, or perhaps a shelf stable value added, we need to consider the promotion piece. The retailer is gonna expect you to come to the table with some discounts that they can offer to the consumer. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. we've done such a great job of training consumers to look for deals and look for specials and look for loyalty programs and look for multi-buys and every you know different conceivable way that we can try to discount a product uh, we, we come up with it. So you really need in a value added product or even frozen food, you probably need to have 30 to 40% in that delivered price that you can use to promote your product. And then you can look and say, okay, here, what are my costs? What are my costs to, to produce it, to process it, packaging, uh, delivery to the warehouse. And then you have that promotion piece and then also profit, right? So those that's the way I would explore it and certainly the expectations it, it depends on which retailer you're dealing with they're all very different Costco have a very different approach than Sobeys or Loblaw or a farm market you know there's, there's different approaches and and then also the expectation is somewhat different if we're talking a more of a local producer 
the expectation is different than say a large multinational company. So, you know, don't, it, it, it's not possible to kind of go, okay, this is the magic formula for every item in a, in a store or in a department. Um, and it's, and the other part is it's a negotiation too, right? So yeah. uh, we always have to try to look out for our best interest and, uh, and negotiate the best way we can. But one of the things which that one thing that's so important for people when they're considering, you know, that retail and, and the selling environment. And, and I try to say this over and over again, is that it's not just about producing great products to sell. It's about selling the great products you produce. Mm -hmm. And you have to be committed to see that product right through to the shelf, to the shopping cart. Mm -hmm. and, and if that's not your interest or your strength or, or, you know, where you want to spend a lot of time and resources, then you don't do it because you'll just be frustrated and you'll just be so discouraged. Mm -hmm. But that's an integral component of having a successful product at retail mm -hmm. is yeah. having that resource and, and focus on, on the selling part of it. Yeah. Can producers expect the revenue as soon as they walk into this market? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, for you, you definitely, the, I guess there, there's two pieces to that, uh, two answers to that question. The one is from a specific cash flow perspective. Mm -hmm. I think realistically, you need to build in 30 to 45 days of pain, you know, until you're going to get paid for your product. So that's mm -hmm. a, a significant issue for people from a cash flow perspective, but that's the way that the environment works. Mm -hmm. uh, some retailers are better than others, but generalities, I would say you need to budget that. The second piece is, can you generate profit right at the beginning with a product? And my experience has been, you really need to work with something for a couple of years in the marketplace before you can start to really see the sales build to a point where you get that, that return that you need to get out of it. And they're just, it, it takes time to build a product. There are, you know, I always, the, the, there's 350 fresh items in produce that are competing for the consumer and there's 35,000 SKUs in the store competing for the consumer. And even if you have a fantastic product, it is a big challenge to get their attention and build a market. And mm -hmm. during the pandemic, that's even been more challenging for people because it's harder to get people's attention and, and, shopping in stores has changed a lot right so um it is it is a, a a long road but i think that the retailers it's important to know that people the retailers and consumers want products uh if we're thinking of kind of the atlantic canadian market uh, they want local so that's a, a good thing wild blueberries have a, a great cachet with with consumers and retailers so we have to figure out how to keep that in front of people and mm -hmm. and it's not about the struggles to grow it and produce it and, and all that um i think it's a we have to focus on the consumer side and about how what a great product it is to use and, and consume and for your health and taste and your entire family it's one of, it's an item that you know it's like lego you can enjoy it from age whatever two to 99 or whatever they say on a lego package right that mm -hmm. it's sort of universal people like it so so i think that's a great piece of, of uh, something that can be a component of what Wild Blueberry marketing can be about. Yeah, wonderful. A lot of good points there. And then thanks for sharing your experience today with us about uh, retail market for Wild Blueberries today, Peter.
Well, it's been uh, it's been great, Hugh. You had some tough questions. I hope that I was able to give a, a, a fair perspective on them, and and most importantly, to provide value to the to producers and and people who are looking to grow the the whole industry. There are a lot of great information during the discussion, and I hope you gain knowledge from Peter's sharing and have something to take home at the end of this episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at NSYLBlue and follow Poenia on Facebook and Twitter at NSPoenia. Thank you for the support from Poenia and Wild Brewery Producers Association of Nova Scotia for this podcast. A big thank you to Patty Ryan, Marketing Design Lead, and Rachel Oxner, Marketing and Communication Officer in Poenia. Their support on podcast animations and editing is well appreciated. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and share. See you next time.